0: Welcome to this episode of Trauma Talk. Today, our topic is identifying human trafficking victims. Our guest is Melissa Cook from the Child Advocacy Center of Sedgwick County. But before we get it started, I wanted to let you know, for this episode, we have special resources available on our landing page at wesleytraumatalk.podbean.com. On the left-hand side of the page, under Additional Resources for Identifying Human Trafficking Victims, is a series of situational awareness cards letting you know what to look for and how to respond and even what questions to ask when identifying a possible victim of human trafficking. We'd like to thank Wendy O'Hare, the Trauma Program Director, for the the Kansas Department of Health and Environment for providing this. Melissa, thanks for being on the show. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Yes, Melissa Cook. I am the Family Services Manager at the Child Advocacy Center of Sedgwick County in Wichita, Kansas.
0: How long have you been in this role?
1: I have been in this position now for almost 13 years. Been a licensed master's level social worker in Kansas for almost 20 years next year.
0: Before we start discussing a very difficult topic, do you have any advice on processing this information?
1: Sure. Human trafficking can be very a very heavy subject to talk about. A lot of people don't want to think about it because it, it is yucky and uh, you have to think about the worst of society when you're talking about this subject. So just take time to process what you hear, and it might affect you more than you actually realize. And also just wanted to clarify that when we are When we talk about human trafficking today, I quite honestly am going to refer to the victim most of the time as like a she because that is what we see the majority of the time. However, there are males, there are transgender, there are homosexual individuals that experience trafficking, and I want to be mindful of that as we're talking about that. Just for ease of discussion, I'll probably use the pronouns she and her.
0: So what is human trafficking?
1: Okay. So human trafficking, as defined by the United Nations, is the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of people through force, fraud, or deception with the goal or aim of exploiting them for profit. So if we're just being really specific about it, human trafficking is buying and selling of people.
0: Are there any terms we need to be aware of before we dive into this subject?
1: For sure. So human trafficking involves exploitation. And when we talk about exploitation as it relates to human trafficking, we're talking about taking advantage of someone or using someone for something. Also, a term that we will use is like exchange of value, and a lot of people believe that human trafficking is always an exchange of sex or labor for money, and quite honestly, that that is one of the exchanges that we see, but more often these days, we are also seeing human trafficking as an exchange for food or shelter or um, safety, So when we say exchange of value, it can be money, food, shelter, safety.
0: Why is it so profitable?
1: Human trafficking is more profitable than lots of things because the commodity, in this case, when we're talking about a commodity, we're talking about the the girl or the victim, right? So human trafficking can be looked at as a business. And when we talk about human trafficking as a business, you have a seller, right? So when, you are, when you're running a business, you're, somebody is selling something, right? So in human trafficking, the seller is what we commonly refer to as the pimp. He, he or she is the one selling something. And then the commodity, the thing that is being sold, is the person. So the girl the victim, the boy, whoever that is. And then the last component of a business is that if you're selling something and you have the thing that you're selling, you have to have a buyer, right? The buyer in this term is the customer or the John as is referred to on the streets or by law enforcement. So human trafficking is a very lucrative business because you can sell the good over and over again. In other aspects of illegal businesses, such as guns or drugs, you can only sell the drug one time, right? You can only sell the gun one time. But when you are selling a person, you can sell that person over and over again for an act. So it is a very profitable business with low overhead.
0: So what is the difference between human trafficking and prostitution?
1: Okay, so there is a difference. So with human trafficking, in order to be classified as human trafficking, there has to be an element of force, fraud, or coercion, except for under the age of 18. So when you're talking about anybody under the age of 18 that is um, in the business or in a situation where they are being... Um, selling sex for money or food or anything else, exchange of value, that's considered human trafficking because under 18 does not have to have the elements of force, fraud, or coercion. Over 18, the differentiation between prostitution and human trafficking is that elements of force, fraud, or coercion. And I will also just add into that that studies will tell you that the majority of women or men who are engaged in prostitution or will tell you that they are engaged in prostitution of their own accord right so they say i don't have a pimp or if i do have a pimp i'm i'm still doing this on my own that 90% 90 all the way up to 95% of them indicate being forced into this lifestyle under 18. So if you think about it, and there are um, a very, very slim number of people that you would refer to as sex workers versus prostitution, but that that don't have that history. But the majority of people who are engaged in the act of prostitution were forced into it in the beginning.
0: Is there a common factor that human traffickers look for in their victims?
1: Yes and no is the (laughs) answer to that question. So human trafficking, human traffickers, pimps, their main goal is to find the vulnerability in the person. So when you say, is there a common factor? Well, yes, vulnerabilities. But vulnerabilities cover a whole bunch of different things because a person can be vulnerable just because of their age, right? Or because of their um, citizenship status. Are they documented? Are they undocumented? They can be vulnerable vulnerable because they have, you know, they have a poor socioeconomic status and they have food insecurities. There's lots of ways that people can be vulnerable and pimps and people that commit human trafficking are experts at finding vulnerabilities in people in order to exploit them.
0: This might be redundant then. Are there common risk factors you see in victims?
1: So there are a few risk factors that are pretty common. I would say the, the vulnerabilities, obviously. But just because you might have a kiddo that's in a lower socioeconomic status doesn't mean they're automatically at higher risk. It's the adding up of risk factors. So if you have a kiddo that is in a lower socioeconomic home, let's say they are witnessing domestic violence in the home. Let's say they have addiction issues by a parent parent or an absent parent, as you add up these vulnerabilities, the increase, the risk factor also increases. And so I would say that we see a disproportionately high number of females as human trafficking victims, as juveniles that have had involvement in the foster care system and that are runaways from their homes or from their foster care placement and also kiddos that are um, drug addicted.
0: Could you speak to some of the characteristics that people don't think about when it comes to human trafficking victims?
1: For sure. We have seen all types of kiddos be victimized in human trafficking, all the way from a couple of girls that we worked with a few years ago that came from wealthy families that did not have any trouble with school, that were actually involved in also extracurricular activities, but because they got duped by a pimp that was making himself seem like he was a photographer, and then the girls end up in a situation where they feel like they're getting pictures taken for modeling, and those pictures then turn out to be a little bit risky gay, but the person says, hey, if we do these pictures this way, you're more likely to be seen. You're more likely to get modeling ads and gigs and things just really progress fast sometimes for these girls. And the next thing they know, they're in a situation that they don't know how to get out of. So I would say one of the biggest things to look for if you're just in an area and you feel like something doesn't look right. Okay, so if you see a girl with a man that seems to be a little bit older than her and you can't quite ascertain what the relationship is. Like, is it a family member? Is it a dad? Is it a grandpa? Is it somebody like that? You need to be watching for signs like, is that, like, let's say if you are at a diner, okay, or you're at a restaurant in a small town and you see a teenage girl there with one adult male or two adult males and the girl looks like, she is not going anywhere by herself. She's not going to the bathroom by herself. She's not going to the counter by herself. She's, it seems like they have a short leash on her. That would be something to pay attention to. Also, if you see a girl like that and she's got fake nails and maybe she's got her hair all done up and she's got a lot of makeup on. Also, that may be a sign. The clothes, not so much. Um, the, The clothes are not as much of an indicator about what's going on, but we see girls that have their hair done and their nails done and their makeup done and they just seem out of place. So I would really be watchful for things that just don't seem right. And any teenage girl that seems to be with the only teenage girl that is in a group of two or more men, my question would be what's going on in that situation as well.
0: So you've talked about what to look for in the victims, but when our health care providers or EMS personnel responding to these homes, what should they be looking for? in the family members surrounding these victims.
1: Yes, so again, human trafficking, human traffickers or pimps or even family members, which that's a very good point that you bring up, Aaron, is that we have, we see familial trafficking. Girls or boys who are victimized by family members, meaning their uncle, their cousin, their stepdad, whoever is trafficking them. So that's what we call familial trafficking. Things to look for in that situation, specifically for like EMS or fire or people responding to a home, would be, are you allowed to talk to that person alone? Most traffickers do not allow their victims to be talked to alone because they don't know what they're going to say. Right. Also, if you go into a home and there are multiple cell phones, that's kind of a red flag too, because most people don't have more than one cell phone, right? I mean, unless you're a doctor or social worker or cop that that carry two for work, but you would have to have a pretty good reason to have more than one cell phone, and so that would definitely be another uh, red flag. Or if you go into a home and there's two, three, four teenage girls and one male or two, like what's going on there? Most people don't have a bunch of teenage girls just hanging out at their house. So those are definitely some things to look for as well.
0: Are there any developmental reasons that kids fall victim to human trafficking?
1: There can be for sure. If you have kids, if you just think back to when you were a teenager, that's a hard time in life, right? Everybody's trying to fit in. Everybody's trying to... um, kind of push the boundaries on being an adult and having some independence. And these kiddos that fall victim to human trafficking, a lot of times are maybe um, or they can be lower developmentally, or they're really just prone to not um, having enough confidence and are really trying to fit in and trying to be a part of the group and go along with things. So you definitely want to watch out for kids that easily will say yes. They are definitely prone to this.
0: So if a health care provider believes they've identified a victim of human trafficking, what should they do next?
1: So if you think that you've identified a victim, the first step is to call 911. Because if you think that like you're pretty sure this is a trafficking situation, then you want to call 911 to get them law enforcement support and get somebody in there. If you are just unsure if that's what's going on, you can call the child abuse report hotline and say, I saw this situation. It didn't seem right to me. They're going to ask you for some information about the situation. But if you don't know people's names Or addresses, or how to contact those people, then your best bet is to call 911.
0: Do you ever see a trend in why a human trafficking victim would go to the hospital or call 911?
1: Yes. So, unfortunately, most of the time, the reason why human trafficking victims end up at the hospital is because they're having vaginal issues. So we're talking about pain that's associated with STIs or other kind of female reproductive related issues. Girls that maybe might think that they're pregnant or might think they've had a miscarriage. So that is a lot of common reasons why we see human trafficking victims in the ER. And again, if If you have a situation where you have a person who comes into the ER and there's somebody that's brought them there that will not that is not letting them be questioned alone, as a healthcare professional, I think that's a really good opportunity for you to be able to just say, "We need to be able to talk to them alone. We're going to ask you to leave the room because a lot of times a trafficking victim will not have the will not feel like they can ask their trafficker to leave because they might get in trouble. They might, you know, they might get beat up after that. So as a healthcare professional, it's a really good opportunity to say, if if you suspect anything like that, to say, we need to talk to this person alone, right? And you make the trafficker leave the room by saying we have to talk to them alone.
0: Could even be saying, hey, we need to take this patient back to x-ray. And we're not allowed to bring family members back there.
1: They don't need an x-ray, but that's a way to get them alone. That's a perfect opportunity to be able to talk to them one-on-one.
0: So what is the biggest misconception you deal with when discussing human trafficking?
1: That one of the biggest myths out there about human trafficking is that it's a white van driving around in the Walmart parking lot, and they're going to put a tracker on your car. Or they put a flyer on your car and they're they're watching you or they're going to snatch you out of the parking lot and they're going to force you into human trafficking and they're going to tie you to the bed and this is what's going to happen. And I'm telling you right now that could happen, but we don't see. That is not how human trafficking takes place in today's society. It happens through teenage girls being on social media and it's as easy as them posting something on their Instagram, their Snapchat chat story on a Twitter account, something about, man, I'm having a bad day. And next thing you know, their brother's cousin's friend just responds to them because a lot of these kids have their social media accounts wide open, no privacy things on there. And just some guy will respond and say, why are you having such a bad day? And the girl will say, oh, my parents are just doing this or that, or I hate school or whatever. And that is the end. That is the end. That's all they need. That's all the trafficker needs to be able to start talking to this girl, to gain her trust. And the next thing you know, she's going off to meet this guy at a at a restaurant or, or wherever, and they start hanging out. And the girl thinks that he is really going to be her boyfriend and really going to be in a relationship with her. The more she spends time with him, the more she thinks, I don't need my family. I just need him. He's the answer to all my questions, all my worries. And she ends up with him, and then he exploits her by saying, well, I got you out of this situation and I'm paying for you to stay in this hotel with me or to stay at my house with me and we need to make some money. And ah, oh, babe, I really don't want you to have to do this. But if you would just go on a date with this guy, all it is is a date. You don't have to do anything. Just go on a date with him and we'll rob him and make some money. She says, oh, I don't really want to do this, but I, but I will because I know that you saved me from my terrible situation. And now she's thinking I can't go home. I ran away, I left home, I didn't, you know, everybody's going to be mad at me. So she ends up in a hotel room where she's supposed to be having a date with a guy, and the guy's expecting her to have sex, and she thinks... The pimp is going to come in and rob him, and he never comes in. And because she's a vulnerable girl that feels like she has no choices in life, she ends up having sex with a stranger for money. And then after she does, her trafficker is so happy with her and showers her with all this attention and and food and clothing and all these other things because she did such a good job. And then this cycle just continues. And it's such a slippery slope for these vulnerable girls that need to feel like they belong to something and it's not being snatched out of a Walmart parking lot in a white van.
0: Melissa, thanks for being on the show. If our listeners had a question for you or wanted to request you as a speaker to their organization, how could they reach you?
1: So you can reach me by searching the Child Advocacy Center of Sedgwick County on Google. We have a web page, and you can um, request information from me that way, or you can call us. Our phone number is 316-660-9494 and ask to talk to me, Melissa Cook, and I'd be happy to answer any questions or help direct people to resources.
0: Melissa, thanks again for being on the show. And to our listeners, you can find all our past episodes at podbean.wesleytraumatalk.com. And if you have any questions for me or requests for future episodes, you can reach me at aaron.sutton at wesleymc.com. Thank you, and I'll catch you next time.